0: Stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I'm Annette Comer, your host, and each week the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman was adopted as a baby into a strong family setting, and it was in this setting that she was repeatedly told that she was the only person who could stop her from achieving big dreams. She came to believe this and embraced opportunities to be on the ground floor of startups that were socially focused for good. But she was also determined not to be a flash in the pan and instead came to be known in business circles as the trusted, steady, and persistent force of power. It is in this approach to life that she has embraced her greatness, both in profit and nonprofit spaces.
1: It is my pleasure
0: to introduce you to Karen Robison. Hi, Karen. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Hi, Annette. Thanks so much for having me. This is such an exciting conversation to have with you. I've been so surprised about things I've actually learned about myself when I've stopped and had to listen to your questions. Ah, this would be a
0: good one today, then, won't it? Because we're going to dig even deeper in some of those questions that we had before we ever got on this together. So, and you have, Karen, you have so much wisdom that I want to share. So, let's just jump right on in. You expressed that women often don't think big enough. And I agree with you on this. So women do struggle in this area a lot. So what have you found is the secret to thinking big and not getting caught up
1: in self-limiting beliefs? Okay, let's start with the easy question first. I think that it's hard when you're in the moment and working through the day-to-day, whether it's your home life or your work life, and you're just looking to tick one thing off your list encourage you just to stop and think about a bigger question and a bigger picture about where everything is going. So, it's, it's great to be able to say, hey, I got this done. Let's move on to the next thing versus thinking about everything within a system and how it's connected and how by maybe thinking through things two, three, four times down the road, you can come up with better solutions that are going to work better for a longer period of time make things work better for everybody around you. So, so
0: I'm going to dig in a little bit deeper on that. So what, what do you think is the reason that women don't think big? You and I talked about that. We know that men don't have a problem in thinking big, but we women seem to struggle with that.
1: So I, I think it's the risk perspective. So are you really willing to take enough risk when you see an opportunity or are you just willing to go with the flow? And I think that's where women struggle at times about being willing to take an extra step or take an extra risk if they see an opportunity and, and just being a, a little fearful or not have the confidence to take a risk, to, to change something, to improve it. So
0: do you think that women are born as being risk avoid or do no. you think that, okay, all right, so, so you answered that very quickly. So tell me your perspective on that.
1: I think that somehow in our culture, the message uh, is given to women about um, play it safe, don't make waves, you don't want to be seen as a disruptor, you don't want to be seen as the person who's making people uncomfortable. I think a lot of time women feel like they have to be pleasers and have to be the person Saying to everybody in the room, "Oh, is that a good idea? Do you think that would be okay?" versus pushing for changes and pushing uh, for ideas and opportunities to to really make needles move. And and I think there's a cultural aspect of this. I think it's it's inherent in our society. It's it's a a narrative as women that we seem to take on and sometimes own when we shouldn't. So I'm not going to let
0: you go on this one yet because I think I think we're on a juicy one here. So, so one of the, one of the a woman that I had interviewed a few weeks back, uh, and she's definitely in a very unusual, very male-dominated role. And one of the things she said of how she kept herself going in terms of risk, and I want your perspective on this, is that she didn't look for the 99 people that told her she couldn't do it, she shouldn't do it, too risky, this, that, stay safe. And she looked for the one that said, yes, absolutely, step out there, go for it, do it. Because if she found that one, she could hang on to that. I mean, I thought that was really wise. What do you think about that perspective?
1: I I think it's, it's a great way to look for supporters, for people who see the underlying intent and the genesis of what you're trying to achieve. And sometimes it's not just looking for one but it's talking to enough other people and getting perspectives and building consensus around pieces of your idea. So so maybe you can't get 100% of the idea sold up front, but if you can get people to implement 50% of it, you're more than halfway there from what you were trying to achieve. And then you can just keep chipping away at it, right? And, And it also gives you the opportunity to see if things are really working the way you want right? So it's that iterative process that lets you try ideas. And sometimes trying small ideas and seeing if they work or fail gives you the opportunity to reboot and reframe the idea and, and realize, oh, there were some flaws in my idea. Let me fix this. I can tweak it. I, I know now how to make it better. So I, I think that's a really useful tool to have, have one person give you input and support you. But then if you can find a few more to really give you good, clear feedback, it's going to make that idea and that process even better. And if you have
0: that support, it may make risk-taking feel not so uncomfortable. Still going to be uncomfortable for so many, but maybe it gets their courage level, boosted up a little bit more.
1: Well, and I think risk is a learned behavior. Mm. So if you take a small risk and it goes well, then you can take the next risk, right? And, and I think that's how we build our own confidence in being able to take more risks and being willing to take more risks. So anytime you want to change your behavior, what do the stats say? How long do you have to do it for how many times before it becomes ingrained? I, I think risk is just part of that behavior change.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It's an interesting perspective. So your leadership style is to bring others along with you by laying out a vision and then giving them the space to react. So explain why this approach works for you and why it might be a good approach for other leaders.
1: I find in myself that I work best when I have space to think and grow and work through an idea and a process And when someone tells me, I need you to do this and I need you to do it that way, it feels to me like it's a very prescribed situation. And that doesn't let me bring the best to the table that I have. And so I I like to think that my direct reports and our staff, they're really smart people and they have great ideas and and other ways of thinking and, and taking an idea or a concept and making it even better. So I think that's where having a good collaborative communication process with your team and your staff means that everybody gets better together. And there's nothing better for me to see a kernel of an idea that has been turned over to my staff or team and see it blossom. And it becomes something bigger than I had even envisioned. That's, that's a huge win. There's a lot of satisfaction in that, isn't there? Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: I'm going to talk about investment for a second. Other women hesitate, so many of them to invest money in their own development, especially if they work for someone else. But I know for a fact this is not you and that you're a champion of self-development. So what would you say to others, whether they be an entrepreneur or a corporate leader, with regards to self-investment?
1: Nobody's going to invest in you the way you will. It was funny. I, I remembered a something that I hadn't shared with you. But when I was in my 20s, I decided I wanted to go back and get my MBA. And I was working full time. I had both my kids and I did my MBA at night. And it took me about five years. There was no other reason for that other than I just really wanted to do that. It was really important for me at that point in time to continue to invest in my own learning and understand business at a broader level than what I had coming right out of college. And I I think that was just the beginning of lifelong learning. As a a woman and a professional, there's so many opportunities to spend time at at learning new things, things that you're not good at, things that you are good at, things that you're curious about. And, And when you spend time on yourself and invest in yourself that way, those things will come together somewhere down the road. You might not know why this one area is, you're like, this is really curious to me. Why do I want to explore this? But it could be the one thing that you then use in your next role or your current role that helps you build something further for the organization. It's just, it seems so natural to me. I, I find it, it's, it's something I get a lot of joy out of too.
0: I get get very frustrated when I talk to women about investing in themselves. And they say, yes, they will do it, but it only becomes as the last thing. It's if there's any money left over, then they will come up with money to invest in themselves. And I think what they're missing is that's the wrong attitude, period, to put yourself as the last one on. Because you're not going to be the best mother, the best professional, the best entrepreneur if you're always the last in line in terms of adding value. And then secondly, I think um, I have found, at least for myself, uh, I've invested a lot of money in myself. And everything that I invest in that gives me additional skills, additional knowledge, additional know-how in some specific area, only boosts my confidence. And the the more confident you become, the more value you become. Don't you see that as well?
1: Yeah. And I, I think I also have been able to look back on my career and look at the the journey i've had and there is no straight line you know there's no straight line to a career path you can't come out of college and think like we were saying large corporate you're not going to go in business and work somewhere for 25 or 30 years anymore it's just completely unlikely but all these different experiences which include your own learning right and that development that you've done for yourself all of those start peeling together in your next role, and your next role, in your next role. Uh, and that's a lot of fun to be able to look back on and see.
0: That is, absolutely. So women too often believe they have to do it all themselves because they're the only ones that can do it right. Perhaps you've even been caught in that faulty thinking yourself. I'm not sure, but I know I have it certainly a few years back. So what can leaders do from your perspective to change this behavior?
1: It's demonstrating that you're willing to let go of things, first of all, and recognize that when you're not the best at something, and maybe there's somebody else on your team who's better situated to lead on a project or a, you know, a work stream or that sort of thing. I think that's that in itself says a lot to your staff around you. Um, leading by example and being able to Look at your staff and say, "You know what? You're much better at this than I am. You lead this project." So I, I think that is an important way in which you know leaders can acknowledge their own shortcomings, but help their own staff grow. But in the process of doing that, you you also grow
0: and show up as a stronger leader, don't you think?
1: Definitely, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not so sure when you have a leader who tries to hang on to everything, control of everything, if that is really doing the most for moving the organization forward or setting an example for those that they're trying to have follow them.
1: When you have tried to hold on too much yourself, you'll break yourself. Mm. And, and sometimes it's the point of when you've broken yourself because you have put too much on your plate that you learn that lesson.
0: Have you been there?
1: Absolutely.
0: Because <laughs> it sounds like you're coming from experience on this one. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I I think, you know, you and in my role as a CFO in particular, there's a mindset around, I I think I'm the only one who maybe really can understand this issue and needs to, to take it through from beginning to end. But you can't do everything as a leader. You really you can't. Your your best role as a manager is identifying your staff and giving them the room to grow and breathe in in these areas so that all of you together can be successful. And that's that's probably been my biggest learning as a leader is being better at delegating. Mm. Yeah, and that's a
0: tough one for so many driven people to embrace, isn't it? It is. Because a lot of driven people are very multi talented. And so they can do so much, but just because they can doesn't mean they should be the ones doing it. Exactly. Now, that's a hard lesson for us to learn it sometimes, isn't it? And it's a shame we have to break ourselves before we, it really yeah. sinks in.
1: But I've also seen that by being better delegator, that I've also opened doors for myself to take on new things that I wouldn't have had time to do that are interesting and growth oriented. So if you, if you give yourself permission, right, to take stuff off your plate and let other people run with it, then it's a new door that opens for you. To take on other opportunities. That make you grow. That make you grow. Yeah. Yeah. So two of the
0: biggest issues for women leaders, especially corporate women leaders, is not taking enough risk and assuming someone else is looking out for them. We have already talked about risk-taking and given some insight there. So I want to explore a little bit about this concept that people think someone else is looking out for them, especially for women. How does that faulty... And their thinking, and how have you seen it bite bite people?
1: Yeah, I think I've been out of the large corporate space for a, a long time—about twenty years now—and I think that the idea of having a mentor in a large corporate was something that was very common that I saw for men in particular when I was early career in in the large corporate space. Once I got out of the large corporate space, I wasn't as aware of this idea that. Oh, there's somebody out there looking out for me because in smaller organizations, there's you, you, and you. (laughs) Um, But what I, I think I have learned to build around me is a network of mentors and a network of advisors and a network of people who could give a good independent ear for me to help me learn and grow. And so I I don't think it's necessarily about finding that one person who's going to be the person who pulls you along for the rest of your career. It's finding your posse, right? And finding your team and people can come and go in your team. I, I mean, I still talk to my boss from 30 years ago. She's got a great lens on who I am and, you know, can provide a good ear. And then I've got other women who are more recent. Folks that I've come across, and you know, make connections with, and just feel like I always learn something when I speak to them. So, I, th- I think it's opening your mind and seeing that there's so many different people who can offer you a lot along the way. Hmm. I think that's very
0: wise, and obviously, you have found your way through it. And I hope that uh, those listening uh, and watching pay attention to what you said because I liked your your concept of having a posse, the people that surround you that are gonna help. Take care of you in that regard by giving you honest feedback.
1: And I think that's that's the key, having individuals, not, not just externally, but internally, right? Finding folks, even as you're growing as a leader, it seems like you get less real feedback, right? People are less willing to tell you the truth. And bringing staff on who, who you give permission and you, you let them know, I, I need you to be honest with me. And you know, I've had staff say things to me that are hard to hear, but I know I have grown because they were willing to be honest with me, and I, I really have appreciated that.
0: And that that reflects to them that you are a strong leader, secure and well planted in yourself, for sure. So you are a thirty thousand foot viewer that approaches your work with the question, "What does great look like from up here?" So how has this been an important part of your ability to influence? and bring value to the companies that you've worked with?
1: I think when you can stop and understand what's happening in an organization, you need to go up and down. So, it's not just you're at 30,000 feet, but I think you also need to understand the weeds, right? You need to start at the bottom and go bottom to top and then top down. And when you stop and, and spend the time to understand the detail and understand you know, what is involved in delivering work as for an organization to a client or an end user or a patient, whomever is part of your getting the real value of what you're doing? I think you can really then bring a vision to the table for the team and say something like, Hey, I see that we're involved in doing XYZ, but it's really not impacting our patient or our client the way we want it to. How about we think about changing up this one process and and you know maybe we can do some things differently and that'll shorten the amount of time it takes us and get a conversation going with the team and and let everybody kind of throw in their ideas about yeah I can see like if I could do this differently or if I had a different system to use we could get better data out and and so I think it's being able to to look at everything holistically and, and understand why and ask why and ask how and, and just keep asking questions until everybody has good clarity on and seeing like, oh, well, I think we can think about this differently and, and we can do it better together. And it's, it's not all about bringing that like top down, here's the 30,000 foot, I said do it this way, let's go. I think you've got to really build case, right? Build a business case. What's happening and, and how can we make changes to improve it? And come at it from
0: the perspective, how can you, what does great look like? I like that statement. You said, what does great look like from up here? Yeah. Because it, it's only when you float away from the, you have to be in the weeds, but when yeah. you float away from the weeds and float up to the higher perspective, now you can get a broader view yeah. of what may is actually happening, what you can do to pull the team together toward a a direction that's going to make things better. Exactly. Karen, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women?
1: There's luck and there's hard work. And people talk about, oh, gee, I was really lucky. But that luck was a result of your own hard work. I feel I've been really fortunate and I've had wonderful, amazing opportunities that I'm so thankful for. But all of that was a result of, of a lot of hard work. And it was just being persistent and just keeping your head down and keep knocking through things and doors open and close. And it's nice to be able to look back and see that I've had those opportunities and what I've able, been able to achieve. And I think it's just my wish is everybody just be good to yourself, invest in yourself and good things will happen.
0: And don't be afraid to take some risk. And don't be
1: afraid to take risk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had one guest that was a, an expert in risk taking. And, and uh, it was interesting because she, one of the tips she gave was to evaluate your risk on how, if it goes wrong, how can you get yourself out of it? And is it a life and death situation or you know, what is the, the worst that could happen? And, and don't dwell in that space, but go into it eye
1: open and still go forward. One of my staff and I, we have a great joke. It's, is there blood or fire involved? Nope. Okay. <laughs> how, how bad can it be? <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> so, yes, perspective is, is important.
0: <laughs> and that's a great way to end our interview. So Karen, thank you so much for being with me today from taking time from your crazy schedule to share your wisdom and your perspective to other women that are listening, that are striving to be some of the world's greatest as well.
1: Well, thank you, Annette. This has been a lot of fun. I'm excited to see all your interviews and be learning from all these great women. So thank you for taking the time to build this wonderful podcast for all of us.
0: So it's my pleasure. It certainly is. So Karen is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds.